Welcome back to Square Horror, everybody. I'm the master of ceremonies, Matt, without the Duke of Spook Danny, just for today, guys. Let's chill out a little bit. But we're going to be uh, joined by someone who's very important to the Duke of Spook Danny and the master of ceremonies, myself. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself, dog? Hello, everybody. My name is Traeger Joe. Trader Joe? Traeger. Traeger. Joe. What? What does that mean? Well, it, it <laughs> one, it's a it's a pun on my name, uh, which no, we no, all no, know. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing is that we always have to integrate our names into this. All right, so like Master of Ceremonies, Matt, right? Yeah. M-M, Duke of Spook, Danny, right? So you, oh, you're gotcha. Like, so I'm Traeger Joe. Yeah, so it's Joe. So it's good, yeah, that you're actually named. You could probably just be Traeger Joe Collins. No, 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 no. I want to be Traeger Joe Joe. Wow, I, history being made. I love it. <laughs> Wait, okay, so so who are you? I mean, like, Danny and I have, have, have been doing this show for a couple of years now. Um, we, I mean, we started at Western. A lot of people from Western has, have been on a lot of our close friends. A lot of people that are, fr- are mutual friends of ours. Yeah. Um, so, true. I mean, yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about, uh, how you know us so that I'm not a liar. Yeah. <laughs> well, Matt Berry is not a liar. Um, I will say that we met through college. Um, yeah, all of us at Western. Yeah, basically all of us. Like I, I know you had Kevin on. Um, yeah, uh, Spookum Magookums. Yeah, uh, been on many, many times. Oh, most definitely. Who else have you had on from our school? We have a Jamie on before. She talked about Carrie with us. Um, JC joined us for Orphan. Um, let's see if I go way, way back in my, Kelly's been on a couple of times. Sure. Um, any doll movie is kind of like, he's, he's the one we're going <laughs> to, he's there. He's the one we're going to. That gonna... is not surprising at all. No, 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 no. <laughs> Kelly Brown is, if you go back and listen to our house's October episode, our house's October built episode, um, Kelly Brown is terrified of dolls. So if you work with him ever, anybody that listens to the show, if you meet him, Ever, uh, because he's a very personable, great actor, um, so I'm sure he's auditioning, so, like, just scare him with dolls, if you can, find a way to make that happen. Um, speaking of dolls, it's scary, I don't know, I'm just jumping in. Okay, Um, go for it. So, alright, like, one of the great things that I'm glad about having you on the show for, Joe, is that... There's certain things that I feel like maybe I just can't talk about with Danny, or maybe that I'm just too impatient to talk about with Danny. <laughs> um, and to, the two movies we're going to talk about today are really good examples of that. Okay, um, sure. So the the last, I think it was last year, right? Yeah, I think it was early 2023, um, this movie came out. It might even be 2022. This is... I'm not really prepared for it, but um, the year that it came out is irrelevant because it's kind of timeless on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when I showed it to you, just like a lot of people out there that either saw it or kind of have heard of it, um, you're a lot of it is like trying to figure out, all right, what is this? Um, so we're talking about Skinnamarink, um, which... Uh, Skinnamarink. Oh my gosh, this is movie. really, really. I'm Joe's got like, uh, like an old vintage like reporter's notebook. I, 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 I put notes. notes on both of these pages. Because, you took him the old fashioned way. I love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, with both of the films that we're talking about today, I felt very similarly about both of them. 
However, they're not at all similar no. films. <laughs> not and, and, at all. By no stretch of the imagination. But which th- is actually really, really fascinating in my mind. Yeah. Um, well, and, like, they're both, yeah. like, we'll get into it specifically with Skinner Man, but both of them, I was telling you yesterday, are movies that, like, are very, are, are part of this very few and far between group of horror movies that really scared me. On, like, a deeper level than, like, I was telling you, like, there's a difference between, like, ah! like getting jump-scared or, like, being in a haunted house and, like, getting scared, quote-unquote, scared. Because that's not exactly fear, necessarily, all the time. It's it's different than, I don't know, like, capital F fear to me I'm thinking of is, like, we're talking, like, childhood nightmares. That those things that yes. scare you on a deeper, more consumable level... Um, they, they had this, again, when I characterize it, like this inescapable type of dread. Um, and I know with the, the creator of this movie, who initially was popular on YouTube, um, he's got a page called Bite Size Nightmares that's awesome. Uh, it's the same vibe as Skinamarink. Um, it's really good if you want to like kind of get like a general sense of how Skinamarink go, like the vibe. Because it's very hard to explain that vibe, but I, I do think that in getting into that vibe... The fact that I learned that the writer director of this movie, the guy, the same guy who runs the YouTube channel, um, surveyed on Reddit for people's childhood nightmares, which Ooh, I feel like yeah. is why this movie hit for me at least on such a very deep, uh, weird level. Is that I didn't remember that's a good the, way of the type research. of feeling, you know, like well, and and yeah. I think it really goes to show like. It's so hard to to explain what's scary about your nightmares when you're a kid, and I feel like what's so well, hard for me to explain about man. that is what was so perfectly captured in yeah, the tone of this movie. Your nightmares as a kid, like, they are genuinely such a raw feeling yeah. that's getting exposed over and over again, because when you're a kid, you, like... You're feeling everything basically for the first time. Yeah, exactly. You, you are being exposed to something that you've never seen before, so yeah. you're going to react to it with your full being, your full nature. When you are discovering nightmares for the first time... <laughs> oh. <laughs> when you are discovering nightmares for the first... Oh. <laughs> when you are discovering nightmares for the first time, it is earth-shaking. I think part of the the true horror is that it's, and I think that's what was perfectly done in the movie, is that it's something that is out of your control, number one. Yeah. um, That you can't, like, escape from. That kind of goes with number one, but, like, when I was a kid, I would have these very bad nightmares that, like, I'd be somewhere or, like, in circumstances, like, away from my family and I couldn't get back to them, and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to go back to, like, what I used to know. Yeah. And that assurance of, like, that it's going to happen, and, like, that just, it it is what it is. First of all, as a kid, you have to, like, comprehend dread and, like, that type of deep existential, like, terror. Yeah. But also, it's, like, it's filtered through your parents are gone and they're not coming back. Like, with this movie, to have the two kids alone, completely by themselves in this house, not only by themselves, but also clearly within the presence of something else that wants to harm them, that they can't see, they can't reason with, they don't know what it is, and they don't know how to stop it. Sure. Um, while we're talking about the characters... Yeah. 
you can like see frames of their body, but like you don't really ever see these characters. No, you barely see their faces. It, these characters don't ha- really have faces in my mind. Like they they can be whoever. Yeah. Which in my opinion it makes it really easy to jump into their shoes. Yeah. And you know I I think that that for this director, it was interesting to go from something that, like, on YouTube, he is one of those guys that does, like, soundscapes, ambient noises, right. stuff that's, yeah. like, like, the one that I remember the, is, the it's, 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 like, stuff. it's, but it's all also, it has this air of vintage, like, there's those vintage cartoons that are in the movie. There's those, like, 1930s type of, like, jaunty type record player type music. Right. All of that is, it, it, so, like, the videos will be, like, you know, fucking like really, really, I'm talking like VHS quality camera, like low, 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 low washed low out, grade. like yeah, washed out quality, like old camcorder quality, yeah, like in the dark with yeah. lighting that's deliberately sporadic. Um, and like his whole videos would be, you know, either short horror films that kind of were fitting that aesthetic or these like soundscape ambient type videos that are about putting you, the viewer, like literally reaching through the fourth wall as your entire medium and putting you into this aesthetic and this vibe using things like sound mm-hmm. and visual. Yeah. Um, the the you, film like, was the very stylized. I think that's the big thing is that people either hate this movie or they love it. Yeah. Because they either hate it because, frankly, nothing in frame needs to be in frame. Exactly. Listen, like they're like, oh, actors over anybody, there. What if we pointed the camera? That anybody way? at all tells me that they can't watch this movie, I'll look you in the face and I'll say, "Well, I understand. <laughs> I get it. Like, I understand. <laughs> no, this movie is not going to be for everybody. Yeah. But like, if you can, if." gonna have to cut this um <laughs> why <laughs> uh because i totally lost my train of thought <laughs> but hey um what i'm trying to say is this is a very slow start yeah in my opinion and then like once i realized that this was the entire movie like this was the choice of how it's being shot the entire time my gut reaction was oh no like I did, are you kidding like what the hell am i watching right now but then i was like hold on hold on hold on like let me make this as positive an experience for myself as i can Good. and then i started thinking about the things that i really really like about it and honestly like this film made me feel emotions that i haven't felt since I was literally a child. Mm. There's a line that this kid says, something to the effect of, it's so dark I I can't can't move. move. I felt that, man, for certain. That isn't something that I have thought about or been concerned about Mm -hmm. in two decades. Well, again, I think that goes back to, like, if you canvas people for childhood fears... Or nightmares, right? Someone's going to say, it was so dark I couldn't move. Everyone, we immediately, when you hear that, you're like, yeah, I know what, exactly yeah, what that feels like. Well, and, like, though, when you're talking about it, like... You go the, back there, though. That sentence doesn't make a lot of logical sense. Yeah. But that is a feeling that I haven't had in so many years. Yeah. Um. So, like, 
any film that is capable of doing that, for some people, you're going to have to go into this with an open mind. Um, no, I but, think there's a reason that you, you and I are talking about this, because I've got a sinking feeling that, like, Danny doesn't like Skinamarink, and he doesn't, like, he's too nice <laughs> to tell me that he doesn't like it, because I love this movie. Like, oh you want to talk about, like, first experiences. Like, I went to go see this movie in a theater, and, like, I was so fucking excited, because I saw the trailer for it, which I showed you. Uh, and go on YouTube right now and, and look at the Skinamarink trailer because it's a perfect, like, description. Because, like, we can't really even describe really what this movie is because, like, well, it's such a strange halfway... It's an art project, essentially. But, like, seeing it in a theater with a lot of people that, like me, were, like, not sure what this was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, at the very least, I, I felt... As though, you know, like you, like, this is hitting on a very, like, long-forgotten sort of emotional fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. I love this type of aesthetic. I love the idea of doing films, like horror movies specifically, that do, like, trippy-dippy stuff. Because I'm all for that as, like, a supernatural medium. So seeing it in a theater with a bunch of people... Late at night was a mistake, because um, <laughs> watch this movie if you can, like, during the day, because um, you might fall asleep because it's so relaxing, <laughs> at least for me. Like, the white noise is really, and the, the quietness and the whispers and stuff, and then yeah. every now and then there's, like, a really legitimately frightening jump scare, but by the end of the movie, we're talking about, like, a whole theater full of people that, like, maybe just weren't a fan of the style, maybe if you if they had known maybe going in what it was a, what it was going to be like. Um, I mean, people got up in front of me and were like, that movie fucking sucked. And I like, my heart hurt because I was like, yeah, maybe this wasn't exactly what I thought. And maybe like, I'm not really in the right state of mind right now to appreciate it. I was very tired and it was like midnight. Yeah. Um, but the fact that someone was able to like reach into my like forgotten memories from childhood and pull them into like the modern day, not only that, but to put them in such a way on screen that conveyed that feeling to me and I went and I looked at the screen and went yep I don't know even how to articulate what this feeling is but I feel that again and that was so cool and I know it's maybe not at everybody's cup of tea if that's even your experience maybe you didn't have existential nightmares as a child and maybe the rest of you just had anxiety as a kid like yeah. we did oh my god where we just were t- we tapped into something that was like you know like just like these kids where they're 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 feeling on the edges is something that they don't understand and that is out to hurt them and that's all they understand but that's such just like scratching the surface of whatever is happening mm-hmm. um so i don't know speaking on that though i feel like plot wise like you can't say there is a through line there is a plot this is like i think the third time that i've watched it um it's easier and easier i think every time you see it to kind of follow along with like the 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 events that are happening but these two kids um, well, one of them wakes up early in the middle of the night and is sleepwalking and falls down the stairs. Um, this is all during the opening credits when, again, it's just a dark hallway. And you're like, I, you're just kind of hearing stuff happen. You're hearing movements. You're hearing, like, you're seeing lights come on in, like, corners of the shot to yeah. kind of show you, like, the movement of the character through the house. But just like I said, you're not seeing the faces. You're barely seeing the, any part of them at all. A lot of the shots are going to be, like... Like, a, a corner of a bedpost, but, like, in a way that's, like, like, frankly, like, 
unattractive, but also <laughs> that's the thing. Is yeah, just like, like you're just a lot showing of the shots yeah. are like not pretty shots. Like it's something that you could like. I could pick up my iPhone and like take a little video of that corner over there, and that's a shot in the movie. But that's the thing, though, is like while it seems that way, because of how purposeful everything in that movie is, yeah. the angle, the lighting, how long the shot is held, these are all things that seem like they just left the camera rolling and didn't know. Right. But once you start really stepping back and thinking about like what this scene is doing and what holding the camera on this specific area it's, at this specific time is doing, yeah, it gets really scary. There's a purpose in <laughs> and that's horrifying, every man. Shot. Yeah. It, it, it is horrifying. Yeah, it's horrifying. To me, because, at least, like, it's very, very scary. To me, my problem was when I found out like it was doing <laughs> this. Like, oh no. I, I like, actually started getting a well, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. When you're, like, sitting there, like, in a room, and there's something you w- don't want to look at, <laughs> what are you going to look at? Yeah, I mean, I think what you're hitting on reminds me of this scene of, um, I think it might even be the same one, uh, but it's a nightlight where, um, so the two kids, it's an older sister who's maybe, like, s- six or seven Mm -hmm. and the boy is maybe like four or five maybe six um but he's younger than her but um they end up because you know in the middle of the night when they wake up all of a sudden their parents disappear yes and well their mom wasn't at home like anyway i think maybe like they were like divorced or something but dad like disappears and then all of the doors, like exterior doors and windows in the house, also, like, they, like, glitch out, and now they're gone. Like, they're just blank spaces of wall. So these kids are stuck here in this, like, weird pocket dimension. And very quickly they realize that they're not alone because the one of the girls goes, well, the girl goes upstairs and there's a nightlight that I I don't recall exactly, but either was unplugged when she came up and it had been plugged in or it was um, something that she had switched on. And then through the whole course of this exchange, the nightlight gets unplugged and you know, you can see it, get unplugged, see it. And then she goes and unplugs it and plugs it back in and then goes back downstairs. And it's one of those really long shots of just the wall with the light bathing yeah. it for, like, two minutes. Like, legitimately, like, two straight minutes. This might be the same shot. And then it um, yeah. cu- then it, it gets unplugged from the wall again. And what I feel like is terrifying, because you're not framing the characters or the action, but you as the audience member knows what is happening. So this entire scene, you, they're shooting, like, things that are getting lit up because of the light. So you're being called to attention that now it was dark, where, especially with this type of camera, your mind's playing tricks on you of, like, what's that? What's Is that movement? Was that something? Like, you don't know. Yeah. And it's deliberately done so, so that you start to have this kind of fever dream time right. of how long am I staring into this weird, white, noisy void? And it's deliberately that way. So, But when you're looking into that void when it's dark... And then it gets bathed back in light. You're like, okay, you know, there's this character needed to see, so now we're seeing. But when she leaves the room and it's still light, 
because now they're like, something's in the house. We need to keep the lights on. And you're still in that room as the viewer. Then the light gets pulled. It's like when you're a kid and those moments of darkness that are so scary that you can't move because you don't know anything that's in the dark. And you as a viewer don't have any idea what's in the dark or what did that. All you know is that something purposefully turned that light off and now you're upstairs with it. Like that's that sort of scariness that I think it it really does a good job not framing anything of value. (laughs) Yeah. Because it makes you part of the background. Mm -hmm. And because you're a conscious entity, being in that background is fucking terrifying. It doesn't feel like I'm like present the way I am in real life. Right. It for me, I almost dream in some images and like some movement, but it feels like those videos on YouTube. Exactly. But and but what's so cool about like those videos or like those reels that you see that's like POV, it's chosen five, and for whatever reason, like just the quality of the camera and the noise is enough to give you enough sense memory when you're looking at a picture that you're also like, man, how the hell did they get that image? It's stuff that you didn't remember that you forgot, but it's, it's not only just that you, you recalled by like, you know, verbally someone's like, Hey, you remember your neighborhood when you were a kid? It's different when you have different sense memories associated with that because psychology, um, (laughs) your brain has different memory recall depending on, um, so like when you have like sense recall memory, um, Mm -hmm. you're, uh, I can't remember the name of the brain, so just go with me. Uh, the this part that's like in the middle of the brain, so it's right. The, the so your sensory your cortex. It, so your temporal lobe is in. Well, again, it's hard with a three D person, but like this, the temporal lobe is kind of like in the center back part of the brain. Okay. The auditory cortex part of the sensory cortex is it's kind of like headphones on your brain, so it goes kind of like by your ears, right? And like it goes across. Um, but with smell, the olfactory, it's different. It doesn't go through the sensory cortex and then to your hippocampus where your memories are. Mm-hmm. It just goes right to your hippocampus. Right. Which is why smells have such a stronger memory connotation. So, but that's not to say that other sensory material doesn't have just as, not just as, but like also very intensive uh, means of recall. Because you're not just trying to remember based on someone talking to you. You're trying to remember based on sound, feel, you know, like you're seeing a picture, you're seeing all this stuff, so you're remembering it a lot more vividly. Back to Skinnerberg. It's like that because of dreams. When you're a kid, it's like you don't have the whole picture. And filming in that camera quality, whether you, you're you aware of it or not, reminds you of childhood because when you were a kid, the quality of cameras was different. The quality of picture was different. Like, video games, the reason that when you like replay video games from like 20 years ago, you're like, oh, that looks fucking bad. Yeah. Like, watch, watch Toy Story, the original Toy Story, now, and you're like, man, they didn't know how to make people at all. No. But like, no that sort of... A little scary. That sort of analog <laughs> technology does a lot of putting you back in the mentality of where, what it was like to be in an era where that was what you were consuming. So this is a big runaround thing to say that I think Skin and Brink does that on purpose to put you back to what it felt like to be a child in the, in the most immersive way possible. And you mentioned dreams. This movie felt like fever dreams to me. Yeah. And like, 
you recognized that when I said that, which made me feel great because nobody that I talk to gets fever dreams. I know people out there get them. Dude. They're not as common. Some people get them. Some people don't. But Skinamarink felt like what it felt like when I was a kid to be sick with the flu. And I didn't know it when I went to bed. So. I'm dreaming and my brain starts to, because it's overheated, you know, like your body's running a, a fucking temperature. So your brain's dreaming, right? And yeah. now it's getting all fucking, it, now it's basically on acid. And you're a kid and you're like having these photorealistic, very, like I would have dreams where I'd, I would be, cause you're a kid and you're sick, you're thirsty, right? And I have dreams where I'd wake up and I would go get myself a glass of water. Yeah. And I'd wake up and I wouldn't have done it. And I was like, what's real? What isn't? And my reality was so warped because of my fever that I couldn't tell the difference between dreams and reality. And as a kid, when you already know that your dreams are, like, fucking with you because you're sick and you're having nightmares, Mm -hmm. it's all the more scary to not trust that things are going to be okay. Yeah. And this movie is all about that. Like, the kids are just kind of, like, playing with Legos, watching TV in the middle of the living room because, like... What the fuck else are they going to (laughs) do? I do um, every now and then go through bouts of sleep paralysis. Yeah. They usually happen when I am flat on my back. If Mm -hmm. I ever fall asleep flat on my back, um, that's usually when they're brought on. Uh, I got to be careful when I sleep on my back. (laughs) um, Essentially, you're literally paralyzed. Yeah. Like, you you Mm -hmm. cannot move. Yeah. I was, the first time that I had sleep paralysis, I was, uh, one, I had just gotten my shoulder surgery. Mm -hmm. So I was laying in my bed and I opened my eyes and I was looking around my room. I could not move and I had heard of sleep paralysis before. So immediately my mind went to, is this what this is? Oh, good. So you weren't, like, terrified? No. Like, most people I know, like, like, wake up and they're like, what the fuck, what the fuck? And then they start seeing shadow people because they're still in REM. They're like, what Well, the I fuck? mean, like, you know? it, it's a still, it's still a scary experience. Like, every time yeah, that you're paralyzed. I, yeah, you're paralyzed. Yeah, man. And your, your brain is basically half awake at that point. Uh-huh. You are witness to everything that happens around you, mm-hmm. but you are still like physically asleep yeah um so I, you're like your brain paralyzes you when you enter rem because that's when you're dreaming right and yeah like, right if you weren't paralyzed when you were in rem you'd be running around fucking fighting people and doing all that stuff because your brain thinks your body is awake or your body thinks it's awake because of the brain yeah. so the brain has to cut that off so when you wake up it's like sleep paralysis is just like the brain like wakes up but it's still paralyzed the body, and it can't do both at the same time. So no, that's why it feels like no matter what you do, you can't wake up, and that's even scarier. Right. Because since your brain is in REM, and it's not really fully awake, it's seeing and it's mapping out spatially your environment, but because your brain's in REM, it's more likely to just kind of act on its own accords. Yeah. So things that look like they could be human shape, your brain looks at people every day. Yeah. So it's looking yeah. to, it's, it's like, Seriously. that looks like people, it, it's but when you're asleep, it looks like a shadow monster, yeah. and you're like, I don't want to see that. <laughs> your brain's like, what? It's a person. Are you happy? It's trying to recognize It's trying things. to normalize the fact that yeah. you're awake, but you're not, because your brain also has no idea what the fuck is happening. Okay, I see, I see, I see. Dude, man, I can't believe 
believe Dude. that I only kind of retained conceptual knowledge from all of my neuro classes, but I never remembered any like vocabulary. So every time I talk about something that I actually know about, I just sound like a fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, that's good because it breaks it down for squares. Squares. Yes. Sorry, I just blew out your ears. Blew <laughs> <laughs> we'll that out. Um, but but yeah, no, that that paralysis goes hand in hand with what happens when you know you become paralyzed in fear. Yeah. As a child, they had a lot of low angle shots, like showing like angles. One, yeah, ankles. Yeah. Yeah, like legs. Sometimes like a shoulder here and there. And nothing was really in focus. To me, the thing that really drove this movie was the audio. Mm -hmm. Because in order to get the next bit of the story or, like, what's immediately going on, you have to listen. Yeah. And for the most part, there are subtitles that will guide you as well. Yeah, like like, when they call, like, when the kid is able to call 911 and, like, it's terrifying because you can read what they're saying when he's muffling the phone. And it's, it's, oh, God, it's so scary. Exactly. Well, and. Like, when you get the plot, that's when you're like, oh, this is a fucked movie like that's when it gets like when you like that's the thing is that people are almost like insulated from this movie by not knowing what's happening because as soon as you know what's happening the movie is terrifying like it's legitimately one of the scariest movies i've ever watched like not like in concept it's the scariest movie but like as an experience it's one of the scariest movies that i've watched because like the more you know about it the (laughs) scarier because like as the movie goes on the activity increases, like toys start disappearing, toys start showing up on the ceiling, cartoons start signifying that like glitches in the matrix are happening. Mm-hmm. And my the scariest scene for me, Joe, is when um, the daughter goes upstairs into her parents' bedroom and she sees her father. Or something that looks like her father. Yeah. We can't see his face because, again, we're only seeing, like, maybe from elbow or shoulder down. Like, he's mm-hmm. sitting on the bed. That was the... F- we don't even see her. It, that was, like, one of the first times that you ever... The first and only times that you see a full figure. And the and then immediately you're like, that's not a person. I don't like... Like, that's, again, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, as soon as you get context... It's so scary that you're like, let's go back to just, like, a camera angle of the TV showing old cartoons for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like, what's really important about this, and it's the thing that I was so bummed about once I realized it, is the fact that, you know, the way that the movie shot is shot for a reason, and it's like that right. for the entire... Because, like, if it ever broke from that, Ever, it wouldn't be the same. Well, it would also lose integrity after a certain point. Oh, totally. Like, like after you've like bought into it for so long, especially the end. Yeah, would not work. Seriously, <laughs> um, like, and 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 same thing about like seeing characters' faces, like really like getting like a a clear cue on on what's happening because again. Like, most of the action in the movie happens through the audio, and that's something that's so... That's a foreign concept to the brain when you're watching a film, because you're so used to watching... Dude, I mean, think images. about this. Like, the antagonist, if you can even call it that, of the film is something that you 
only here. And then it's not until the end that you will, I mean, with the exception of like the father. Oh my God. Like, so this, uh, let me ask you this. Um, talking about the ending, what did you, first of all, what was your takeaway of what do you think happened in the end? And then what do you think, what do you think the whole movie was? Like, what do you think happened to them in general? Like, were they cursed? Like what, what? Walk me through that because you <laughs> oh, just watched man. this. I know what happened. I kind of want to see so, how it left you as a as a first time viewer. How do you think the movie ended? Like what happened? Okay, I'm going to I'm going to give you two takes. Okay. Um, but first, the, I'm going to talk about the about the body of the ending first, not the actual sure. like yeah, end, that, end, yeah, end, lay but it like the, bring it. the little kid is brought up from the living room upstairs into the room where whatever that is yeah the parent i for whatever reason had nightmares as a kid of simon cowell you are such an actor (laughs) like oh no rejection (laughs) oh no you're the worst singer i've ever heard no No! (laughs) yeah well and like this is simon cowell of like early 2000s when he was butchering people on American Idol who were, like, legitimately, like, decent singers. I would have nightmares of him, uh, in my parents' bedroom, and if I went into that bedroom, he would pick me up, throw me in his bed, and he wouldn't let me move. <coughs> Ew. Yeah, that's a nightmare that I yeah. had when I was three and f- The itch that this, like, really <coughs> scratched for me is, like... At the end, he was being beckoned in a room to be in the presence of something that he really was terrified of. So, that ending kind of, like, sealed my experience, personally. Um, Of, like, the ultimate end of a nightmare. Exactly. My fun little conclusion (laughs) is that this is now monster house (laughs) and like it's it's a little more complicated than that like this house can like throw away its doors and windows and now you have no exit good luck getting out dude we're covering monster house on the podcast oh dude i need to talk it's one of our favorite fucking movies oh my gosh it's one of my favorite movies i've seen that movie so many times we gotta show you monster squad Ooh, Ooh, dog. Okay, <laughs> talk for a different time. But that's kind of like my, my my fun little ending. The other one is that this is kind of just like space that opens up for the right people at the right time. It's selective about who it goes after, but um, yeah, it's like one of those ethereal spaces that you know you can only find. And, what's that room in harry potter the room of requirement yeah like it only shows up if you need it yeah we're like narnia we're like it only shows up if you're not looking at it exactly exactly um (laughs) and it just kind of claims one victim after another as it's hungry and then it moves on that was real quick this was a low budget film it was shot for yeah. fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, I was, I yeah, dude, that was such a profit. You know I, how much money they made? A buttload, I bet. Two point I mean, eight 
million million dog yeah well and 2.1 million uh, according so they they also got nominated for one of dead meets golden chainsaw awards uh for best original uh like horror concept um it's up against megan which um, no disrespect to Megan, but it is a ripoff of the remake of Child's Play and Age of Ultron and just every AI movie ever. Skinnamarink. I mean, I, I love that movie. And Talk to Me is also not. And Talk to Me is a great movie. Um, so like, not to shit on any of the movies, but like, I really just want Skinnamarink to win that award because of the principle of what it was able to do. Like the fact that it was able to physically, like, to like visually interpret what it felt like to be a kid and afraid I think that's such an interesting concept I really hope that more movies come out like that um and especially with the way that that movie ended there's this trend that I've I've been telling Danny about lately that I feel like horror to me passes a certain test of might if it's able to kill kids sure like, oh if gosh. if a movie kills kids, especially if it's, like, kind of fucked up, I'm like, huh. Like, fair play to you. Not that, like, I want kids to die. Not I'm not, like, fucked How up How upset were you in that one shot of Michael Myers when Michael Myers didn't kill the baby? Joe, that's my biggest lingering problem with that movie to this day. I knew I'm it. so mad that I Michael Myers didn't kill it. that baby. It's it makes no sense whatsoever that he looked, acknowledged it, and didn't kill it. I would have been fine if he just ignored it, but they took time to make sure that he looked in and didn't kill that baby. And all of this, I think, what really I'm upset about is the fact that that baby was improvised. The what really happened is in that scene because it's this really awesome. We're complete aside to talk about Halloween 2018. This is a complete awesome one take shot. Of Michael Myers showing up and just going to like three different houses and killing everybody he finds. It's so cool. It's one of the best Dude, scenes in that movie. Like how how long is it? Like I think it's one, like four minutes. minutes. It's four minutes. But I don't. I, yeah. I like Michael's that. not in the shot the entire time, and like there's some digital effects that don't look as good because it's a one take. But it's still awesome because it's set to the one song that was released from the new soundtrack to that movie ahead of the movie. Dude. And I'm like, this is fucking incredible. But there was supposed to be a guy. In that living room, like an actor, like a, like an extra, essentially, who's going to get, like, fucking butchered on Michael's way out of that house. But he didn't show up that day. Which, first of all, who in their right mind gets cast in Halloween 2018 and doesn't make that, like, their priority? Oh. Number two, okay, maybe it's death in the family, maybe something horrible happened, maybe something bad happened to them. It's so, now, so now you're saying, let's put a baby there. Because then we'll have, like, we'll have, like, Michael, like, look at it and, like, not kill it. Sure. As if Michael didn't kill a kid literally as soon as he escaped from that bus. He, like, the first, like, four people he killed, one of them was a 14-year-old boy. Oh, my God. Yeah. It bothers the hell out of me. Like, not that he needs to kill a kid, but if... We're talking about Michael Myers here. Yeah. Michael Myers in the 2018 Halloween franchise is a spirit of hatred and vengeance. He's evil personified. He doesn't ki- He doesn't think. He just kills. And he gets stronger until he becomes in- indestructible. And you're gonna tell me that he didn't kill a baby? That, uh, that would be one of the first things on his... dogs! ...freaking bucket list. Oh He's my. eating dogs. Ah, that is not something I knew. <laughs> oh my god. 
Michael Myers is trying to be a scary man by any means necessary. Like, they necessary. make a point of Michael Myers killing a dog in almost every single movie that he's in. As just kind of like, he feels nothing, killing is kind of just as easy as breathing to him. And you're gonna tell me that he just didn't kill a baby? Hide your kids, hide your wives, hide your dogs. You fix that scene? Okay, we'll make everyone happy. No one no babies get murdered, and Michael Myers continues to be the spirit of hatred and vengeance. You reshoot that scene, and he just walks right past it. Or get rid of the baby. I mean, entirely. Yeah, I mean, you could do that too. Honestly, I would have been. It would have been fun if, like, in the living room, there was a TV playing the thing, but like the 2011 one, because they do this thing. Okay, so uh, John Carpenter. That, that's one I haven't seen yet. John Carpenter directed the 1981 version of the thing, which sure. is a remake of like a 60s movie. Okay. In the 1978 John Carpenter one, they're watching the original The Thing from the 60s as like a Halloween movie night or whatever. <laughs> and then in the 27, 2007 remake of Halloween, if I remember correctly, they also show the remake of The Thing. But I would have really loved if they had done the John Carpenter remake of The Thing because Halloween 2007 in itself is a remake and then for Halloween 2018, you do the 2011. People shit on it because it's a prequel, <laughs> but like objectively less good because of the. I'm gonna say the shitty the thing because of the digital effects, and you make that a part of the most incredible return to form requel horror film, hands down. Maybe aside from Hulu's Hellraiser. Go listen to our Halloween series way, way, way back when, where I also openly drank on that episode. <laughs> um, there's one more thing that I think I wanted to talk about with the ending of the film, and I've just because it's mostly just something I've been dying to talk about because no one really wants to talk sure. about Skinamarink with me, Joe, oh and God. I don't understand that it makes me mad, and no one wants to hear about I my fun Skinamarink this movie theory. What is that? How the ending happens. How does the ending happen? So we see the little girl get um, punished by getting told to blind herself. Oh. Which is where, like, that first, like, shot of the blood spray. Yeah, this movie does kind of get arbitrarily gory at the last second for, like, a little bit. No, like, you don't see kids getting, like, mutilated, but, like, it's very heavily implied that kids are getting mutilated because they are. And that's what I mean when I say skin and ring goes there. This is... The return back yes. to Skinnamarink has the balls to kill kids. Not that it needs to kill kids, not that I want kids to be dead, but it just says something about your horror film to me if you do that. And to bring that full circle. And Skinnamarink did that in a way that I was like, holy shit. Like, those kids are dead. Like, they're not okay. Yeah, no, 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 they're no, no, they're no, not no, going to no. be okay. Like, they, they suffered a horrible fate at a very, Those kids very young were age. stuck in that house for months they were tortured mentally it, for months. it felt like they for got months. caught in a naruto genjutsu they were being i'm so glad tortured. that we have you for on the really podcast now because you can bring in naruto because you can reach a whole other audience of people Dude, listen we can talk guys. about like avatar the last airbender okay. sometime okay <laughs> on, on a side note by the way, Genjutsu is the most messed up thing in Naruto, if you really, really think about it. Because, oh my god, it's the same thing. It's the same thing as Skinamarink. You're just trapped in one thing for two months, and you don't have any control of what's going on, going on yeah. at all. Like, these kids got, like, 
They get, like, sucked into a pocket dimension, or if you want to follow my theory... It's elves. Elves! Okay, so back in the day, listen to me, you and the audience, okay? Matt's Skin gonna and talk about... is D&D. Matt, no, no, it's, it's real. <laughs> okay, so I don't know if you, I've ever told you this, but I'm sure it will make a lot of sense. Okay, okay. When I was a kid... Um, I loved reading about, like, myths and legends and folklore, anywhere, anything that was cool, I wanted to consume it, like, any sort of, like, cultural, like, legends or mythologies, I wanted to consume it if it was cool, like, if you gave it to me, I I would, I would, like, want to absorb it, 100%, and I'm not just talking about, like, Greek mythology, like, it's awesome, but, like, guys... European mythology that isn't Greek myth is fucked up. There's a lot of weird Dude. stuff out there. And a lot of it, specifically in Scandinavian countries, we're Dude, talking Nordic. Like, no, 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 no. I'm not just, I'm not talking about Norse mythology specifically. I'm talking oh. about like, like, I'm talking about like the, the Hildefuck, the, the fairies and like elves and the hidden people, trolls, trolls. that type of shit. Scariest thing in re- like if you can imagine that happening in real life the type of stuff that trolls and elves do they will like switch babies with one of their own and it either looks like a troll which is like oh no my baby's gone fucking like how many people have like suffered postpartum depression or like the insurmountable grief of losing a baby or having a stillbirth and they need to cope with that somehow that's what you ascribe to these Hildefolk. Like, these things begin to take root culturally as these unseen, unfeeling, uncaring, f- magical, natural forces that want to take away your family for fun. And then, the extra sinister twist is that they take your baby and then they try to be parents to it. But that only results in, like you said, psychological and physical torture for an indeterminate amount of time because when the kids are in, like, the the fairy world, essentially, or in, like, the hidden world, time works different. There's a completely different set of rules. Physics is different. So, like, Skinamarink, to me, feels like the real-life application of one of these old, like fairy troll-like folklore and when you think about it in real life it's some of the most like psychologically un- like maddening shit to me to be like you're a kid you barely even understand what's happening now you have to like factor in that like magic is real and that mad that and that their magic is not like whoosh here's a magical portal to a new place it's like no, it's a weird trippy like glitchy in the matrix type magic that takes away all the windows and that weird little, like... You remember when the movie, like, it flashed up and then it went away and then it flashed back and then it went away. It was, like, a weird, like... Like, a weird, like, rendering in, like, an old PlayStation or something like that. And, like, if that's how their magic works, especially when it's, like, filmed in this analog way, of course it's gonna, like, fuck with whatever visual settings in the camera. So, like, that last shot in the movie, when that... When the little boy is all that's left... And he's like, who are you? And he's like looking at what something that looks sort of like his mom. And the camera zooms into its face. And because of the camera quality, you can't really see it. So it looks like it doesn't really have a face. But also, maybe it just doesn't have a face. Because we're dealing with something that's kind of like 
beyond human comprehension. So if you filmed it, it just wouldn't even register. And, like, that sort of thinking where, like, you're encountering something that's, like, so beyond your comprehension or your dimensional level. If we're even... Oh, my God. Now you've got me on this. Like, with magic or these other entities are extra planar in some way, if they're able to bring themselves to our plane enough to, like, glitch the Matrix enough so that they get us into their plane, what... How does that affect us? Like where do we go and like how do we get back and like that's what's so scary about skinnamarink to me is because like all of those cool like trendy ooh like everyone's doing liminal space videos on youtube now those used to be what my nightmares were and it was being trapped somewhere forever that i couldn't escape from because i didn't have a way out because there wasn't a way out and maybe sometimes there was some other indeterminately horrifying entity that was like chasing me through there and like skinnamarink is like you're trapped in your own home like this movie was filmed in this guy's childhood home so it hits on this whole other level of like his own personal childhood fears Mm -hmm. that he's putting into this like he knows exactly what frames to shoot his the hallway in his in his childhood home because he knows exactly how tall he was and like where he was looking when he was so scared he couldn't move in the dark gotcha. and like that's so fucking scary Damn. that someone was like here's my childhood nightmares and also like elves are thing. that's are... all my conjecture elves and such but like that's how i was able to like process what i was looking at because i needed to make meaning <laughs> Dude, that was if just you can't tell, impressive. this movie was very uh, cathartic for me. <laughs> yeah. And I could, and again, I've been sitting on these thoughts since I watched this movie. It's so cool. Because no so one cool. really liked it. I was really glad that you appreciated it. I really hope that you know, the audience can, once you know kind of what you're going to be going into, very positive. I think you might have a much more positive experience. Ah. Uh...